So, hi, Lawrence. Uh, boy, are we, uh, we're both on location, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. You're in a, a little box. I am coming to you guys live from my stage trip day. <laughs> Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Thursday, July 16th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a weekly podcast with two producers on opposite coasts, Christian is in New York on a stage. I'm in Los Angeles, and we are exploring what it means to be a good producer as we come out of this global shutdown and figure out how to get the film industry back to work safely while still navigating the coronavirus. We find ourselves being asked to take on greater responsibilities from a variety of guidelines created from multiple sources. Now more than ever, it's important for us to keep sharing our experiences and ideas so that we can all keep working. Yes. So email us, or better yet, especially if you've been on a full-scale job and want to share how it worked and how it happened. Email us or send us a one-to-two-minute voice memo to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, colleagues, coworkers, your bosses, your PAs. <laughs> we want these stories to be heard. They're human stories, and they affect us all. Exactly. Christian, today we're chatting with Greg Jones, who's been a line producer for about 15 years and recently produced a full-scale job with about an 80-person crew, celebrity talent, the whole nine yards. And he's going to tell us about how they did it and how they did it safely. I know. It's fascinating for sure yeah. because, you know, it's just listening to what, you know, we had Jason Manns tell us. Now we're going to have a new perspective. I'm in the middle mm -hmm. of a job. I mean, it's just really fascinating to hear what's going on out there right now. Yes. And we've been talking to a lot of other people in the community that have been working and are ready to share with us. So we've got a few great episodes coming up. But more importantly, Christian, how are you? Obviously busy working, but how's your uh, mental space? It's good. Um, what I'm realizing is now that we're supposed to be filming next week and we have, you know, an art department build starting on Sunday mm -hmm. and it's, again, it's relearning. It's, you know, we tech scouted early, had a schedule kind of in place. And then yesterday around 3 p.m. realized that it would be much better to change it completely around, <laughs> which, oh, you know, right. obviously happens on previous jobs, you know, like before COVID. Mm -hmm. It would often, you would go on a tech scout and then everything changes, you know, but yeah. it's different now because you kind of have to have certain things in place. Like in New York, we're mandating, you know, uh, certain people have to be tested beforehand. We're not testing everybody. So if you're switching days around, it affects talent. And when you have to, you know, and availability mm. of tests right now are not widespread. <laughs> the tests right. are there, but the, you know, active ingredients or any of the, you know, mm -hmm. utensils Components. used mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. um, may not be available. So it's, it's quite challenging in a way that you can't really, you don't have the flexibility of last minute changes like we used to have. Not that right. we ever wanted them before, but we were <laughs> able to make them happen. Yeah. Now you have to tell somebody <laughs> no for one break in the chain. <sighs> I know. Which so is, it's mentally, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of exercise to mm -hmm. go through, to be honest. So how are you doing? I'm doing well, much better now. And I have to tell you, because I, I was really going through, and I think I, I mentioned this on the last episode, but I've seen a few people posting about this, but there seemed to be like a second wave of kind of 
fatigue or depression or anxiety or something. And I definitely think I was going through that last week. It was a challenging week for some reason, and I don't really know why, but I kind of set up a new regiment for myself. I installed a Facebook timer that only allows me to be on Facebook for 30 minutes a day. And I deleted Facebook off my phone. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I always use the excuse of, well, that's where I get my news. But that's it's really I mean, untrue. I have a lot mm-hmm. of other news sources. And I'm also limiting that. I listen to the news once in the morning and once in the evening. And that's kind of it. And I, I figure if there's an emergency or something happens, I'm going to get an alert on my phone from any of the news sources I follow. Right. So kind of removing myself out of this cycle of, terrible, rotten news and, you know, just people bickering on the internet. I feel a lot better. But, you know, I'm still, I'm still so focused on this, you know, what is on earth is going to happen to our economy and, you know, come the end of this month when all the federal aid stops and people aren't going back to work and now people are going to get laid off again because of more shutdowns in various states. I just don't know what's going to prop up you know, the economy, even though in in one of our news stories today, spending seems to increase last month. So I don't know. It's very confusing. Houses are being bought and sold. A friend Mm -hmm. of mine's a stager. So that's still happening. So I'm sorry, that's still happening. So people are are still happening. It's still getting paid enough to to have the financials to buy a house. That's nuts. Apparently my friend's a stager and she's busy. Good for um, her. <laughs> and so, yeah, seriously. So I don't know. I'm just confused. I'm confused about the economy. I'm confused about the testing. Why can't I get a test? Just so many things that are just really up in the air. I had a friend ask me yesterday, like, are we ever really going to go back to work? Do I need to start looking for another career path? And I just don't know. I don't know what it looks like. So, you know, I'm, I'm pulling myself out of the dumps, but, uh, you know, I'm getting there. So your dumps, I understand. My dumps are kind of like understanding that we have to, not only are we relearning our jobs, we're also like reminding people of why their jobs are going to be harder. So that kind of mental, (laughs) mental acrobats that I'm doing to, you know, try to think about everything, let's say a key crew member does. And then remind them about, well, okay, so in this situation, what would you do? Because a lot of the crew that we're hiring isn't isn't working yet, hasn't mm-hmm. worked yet. So they don't know yet how hard it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm ha- I'm struggling like, well, maybe I should find a new career because I'm, I mean, on this one, I'm thinking for everybody, everybody, every department. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm working with a couple of really seasoned, really, really solid, good art and wardrobe people and we're all experiencing the same thing so it's like almost even though it's collective hive mind it's also like collective like oh shit (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) things are a little bit harder and so you do think about like okay i know we'll get through it and then hopefully it's just a few months but the other thing that gets me down lawrence is that i have been hearing about other jobs that aren't doing the same procedures that my job happens to be doing Mm-hmm. And that scares me because that means we're not going to, you know, we're going to have to shut back down. Right. If people don't implement any of the guidelines that we've all been working on forever, then how are we going to stay open if people are getting sick? Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I, I don't understand. <laughs> Somebody, you know, arguing that why they don't wear a mask and they're talking, you know, they're, they're a laborer. They were talking about how they have to go out and they're making less money than we're making money sitting home 
on a, the unemployment and the federal aid, mm-hmm. but they still have to go to work. And how dare we tell them how to live their life? And I'm just like, yeah, but my career is in jeopardy because you're taking the stance. You know, if you're if you're taking the stance of not wearing a mask because you're the one working and you don't want to be told how to live your life, that affects the health of everybody and therefore impacts whether or not our jobs, our industry is going to get fully back up and running in a in a normal fashion. So I know, you know, so I know we're still in the beginning of this, guys. So it's more difficult than I thought it would be. But it's also people are willing and eager. We just have to guide them. We're the experts, like we keep saying. So (laughs) we have to be the ones who set the standards. Now, before we get into the news, I want to ask you, though, are you doing onset rapid testing or did you send everyone to a regular test site? So in New York right now, you can get tested relatively quickly, but it seems like the rapid tests are few and far between. So there is Mm -hmm. a couple of places in Midtown that we found like, uh, yes, you have to go to Manhattan, but in Midtown (laughs) that will turn the test around within a two hour period. So and you pay around $250 per person. Per person. And yeah. are you doing the entire crew? No. New York State mandates that you do talent and anyone who will be around the talent. So we're testing our wardrobe department, our hair and makeup department, and our prop, onset prop department. Okay. Because those are the ones that will be around the talent without. But then there's a few other mandates that they have. Like not only does hair and makeup need to have proper PPE, they also need to have the face shields. So anyone dealing with talent need to have face shields in addition to masks. And did you already say, what about director for say DDP? Well, so I mandated myself as <laughs> to take yeah. this job, a 15 foot plus technocrane. It turns in where we've now got a 30 foot, oh. but that way we can be as close to the talent as we need to be. And we can move from vignette to vignette on our stage really easily without yeah. having a, a ton of, you know, grips to push dolly and such. So that removed the need to have the DP or the director tested. The director is mm-hmm. actually probably going to have like a microphone and a speaker, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So we're mm-hmm. not like yelling through our masks all day too. Interesting. And the AD okay. won't be anywhere close to the talent. Right. Yeah. We're going to make a little bubble out of the hair, makeup, wardrobe, and talent area on the stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we'll just Makes go sense. from there. Mm-hmm. And all paperwork nowadays gets done electronically, including time cards for our. There's no more handing somebody a time card. It's all PDF'd. Right. So, mm-hmm. right. Good. Can you say what payroll service uh, it is? It's media services. I mean, we right. are going to be using the TIM, the TIM yeah, program. Yeah, the TIM. TIM mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are doing That's that. So people can okay. go in and fill out their start paperwork. But when it comes to actual time cards, as it stands right now for commercials, it's not quite ready. So it, it feels uh, like um, PDFs are the way to go right now for the actual PDF time cards. Mm-hmm. And then they okay. just fill them in and send them back to us. Great. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll have more well, next week, guys, after good. we actually film it. <laughs> yeah, I want to see yeah. how, how it all goes. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to get back to work, and we've got a great interview to, to hear. So yes. uh, let's cover a couple of news things and jump in. I love it. Okay. First thing I wanted to talk to you about was an article on Reuters that discusses, which I like this because it's not, you know, deadline or variety that's, you know, going to make a meal out of it. So it's pretty, you know, kind of on the table. Mm -hmm. Lack of insurance threatening the supply of Hollywood films and TV shows in Mm -hmm. 2021. And we've been talking about this since the very beginning. (laughs) That insurers, you know, obviously they stopped covering independent films and television against 
COVID-19 illness, right? And that's a big shift in the industry, and we're trying to figure out how to work around it. The one thing that I've been learning over this is even if somebody does come down with an illness, in order for insurance to cover it, which now they're not even going to cover it, they had to prove they got it on your set, right? which is a very difficult thing to do, right? Yes, it is. It is very difficult. I mean, you would have to contact trace the heck out of it, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, they still could have gone to Starbucks and picked it up there on the way to set and not mention that. So it's a little dicey, but a lot of insurers now, they're even adding exclusions for COVID-19 or communicable diseases to existing policies when cast members get their medical exams, which is more a more common thing on feature films and television shows. Mm-hmm. Without this coverage, many producers can't get the completion bonds or guarantees that a bank requires to lend the money to the productions. So again, it's kind of a big conundrum as to how we're going to make content, especially for the television season later this year and into early next year. The insurers, this article says the insurers, they're already reeling from other pandemic claims Mm -hmm. uh, and say they can't afford to offer the coverage because it's unclear of how the pandemic is going to play out. I know. And what I've been seeing flying around, which I think we may have mentioned before, is just like clauses put into the contracts of, you know, if we take this project on and it needs to cancel for one of Mm -hmm. these reasons, the client's still on the hook. You just kind of got to do that because insurance isn't going to cover anyone. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The challenge, though, is for narrative work. You know, there's no client really. It's a studio, exactly. mm-hmm. right? So there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's they can't say that to the bank who's lending them right. the money, right? So right, that's, that's true. So, I mean, it's going to be more of the Zoom stuff, guys. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. I know. Well, and then there's also the big push because of, of, you know, know of another stage that's doing it in New York where they're building walls of LED, you know, man, uh, Mandalorian mm-hmm. style. Yep. That's so, kind of exciting. I'm kind of into that. I would love to check out one of those stages. In I am very excited. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see how that goes. So I would love to talk about, too, the Idris Elba story. It's kind of interesting. It's kind and of I'm interesting. I'm glad somebody is speaking up about this I because know. it's a big deal. It is a big deal because, and I say this because when I was in school, being from Georgia, <laughs> mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind was shown like, as a movie twice a year in almost yeah. every grade as like history mm-hmm. for us, which I thought, was, you know, looking back, it's like, Jesus Christ. In an <laughs> effort to, you know, like uh, protect freedom of speech, instead of canceling out, he thinks that using it as a teaching tool or racism teaching tool, essentially with warnings mm-hmm. is the way to go. Instead of deleting like, it like deleting it never it, happened. Like it never right. happened. Because which is what... A lot of people have done, but recently 30 Rock removed a couple episodes that had some sort of comedic blackface in it. Uh, so they just kind of. I didn't t- hear about that. Yeah, they took those <laughs> I mean, out of like, rotation. The fact that you said comedic blackface and it was, you know, less than 15 years ago is very I funny know. to me. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I don't know why Sorry, it's but it's just like, be, I know, but. like, it just, it just, like, even, like, even, uh, <laughs> because, right, because, wow, maybe we should Google that, and I'm going to Google it and take a look at yeah, how, I mean, because, yeah. I mean, them removing it from their archives instead of explaining why it is with a disclaimer mm-hmm. is, a warning um, or an apology mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. on it, right? Yeah. And this points to, and I'm glad you brought this up, because it points to a letter that a friend sent me out of Harper's, an open letter 
on justice and debate. Mm-hmm. So it's a bunch of writers, a bunch of journalists, a lot of professors at universities, very, you know, important people, people smarter than me. But they wrote this open letter that is criticizing kind of the cancel culture and says this open debate is necessary in the foundation of a democratic society mm-hmm. and that writers need to be able to take risks, mm-hmm. make mistakes, mm-hmm. get suffer consequences, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. called out. How are we going to learn, right? So if you want to Google it, it's harpers.org, a letter on justice and open debate. I'm going to put the link in the show notes because I think it's really important that we can't just, you know, criticize each other for having an open discussion of ideas. And that's something this country was founded on was a free marketplace of ideas. Yeah. If you think about the last, you know, five years or so of what was okay to say even five years ago that isn't now, the rapid changing of culture and what is, you know, acceptable and what isn't changes Mm -hmm. very quickly. And so unless you actually say it and are corrected, how are you going to know? How are you going to know? Exactly. So I also wanted to mention that Idris Elba had said to like, this struck me about what he said. He said, mm-hmm. wait a second. I think viewers need to know that people made these shows. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and that is like, instead of removing it as if it never happened, so you can't yeah. learn from it. It's like, wait a second. People actually made this shit, mm-hmm. you know, as early as, you know, <laughs> 30 Rock. <laughs> and exactly. it was deemed as comedic. So that said, to remove it means we've never learned and that somebody won't think it's cool in 20 years to do it again. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important to keep that stuff out there, learn from it, understand why it's wrong or how it's harmful and hurtful and, and, and be able to learn from it. One more thing I wanted to mention to you, as I mentioned at the top of the show, but this struck me in ad age, U.S. retail sales surged higher in June yeah. to pre-pandemic um, levels. I just, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. They're attributing it to more businesses reopened and expanded jobless benefits mm-hmm. is what padded the wallets of the unemployed. And the value of retail purchases increased 7.5% from the previous month. Yeah, I don't know. They, well, they're, they're, they're expecting some backpedaling once we start locking down again. Oh, of course. Of people course. are spending. Like, well, uh, may I make this point about my wardrobe department that I just spoke to him like late last night? So we have three lady talents on this job. Mm -hmm. So there were three days for shopping, one per woman. Okay. Okay. And then like a fitting day. Okay. So we feel like in the beginning, it was like, okay, that, that feels like fine. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so as he goes out, instead of department stores or the big stores, retail stores in New York, they're not open from nine to nine anymore. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. They're 10 to 6. So then he can't hit as many as he could before. And they're empty, so he feels safe doing it. But then flip that to the summer and fall wardrobe did not ship to the box stores because they didn't know whether they were going to be open or not. And so he said it's very slim pickings, too. Interesting. So all the online stuff is happening, but we don't have enough time to have it shipped, right? The stores mm-hmm. don't have anything. So now you get into rental costume houses that all have to be per appointment because who knows, right? Yeah. And it's quadrupled our budget because it's wow. all rentals now. Wow. And, so, you know, like a few pieces picked up from department stores. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And these are the things that, you know, everybody's running into. And so, but for you to say, so it must have all been, I'm assuming in June, it must have all been the majority of it online, right? Or are they saying, yeah, so. 
Interesting. I would imagine. Yeah, it doesn't really go into it, but I right. would think so. Yeah. Yeah. Wild stuff. It's very interesting, especially that people, you know, us freelancers weren't working. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know who's buying shit right now, but it wasn't us. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, I guess that's good news, I guess, because that means advertisers will keep advertising if they see movement in retail spending. Yeah, I hope so. And that yep. means there'll still be work out there for us. So fingers mm-hmm. crossed. Yes. On our Do the Work page, a new featured petition is Make Juneteenth a National Holiday in 2020. Yes. It's on change.org. You can search for it. I'll put the link in the show notes. The author of this petition, who it's almost at 1.5 million signatures. It's getting close. Mm -hmm. So sign up when you can. The author says, my goal with this petition is to show the Congress and the president that I am not alone in my desire to see national recognition of a day to celebrate freedom for all. So I think that's a very worthy petition for everyone to take 10 seconds to go and sign. Absolutely, because although it didn't make it for the 2020, hopefully by 2021, we'll get there. Yes, yeah, exactly. So, and then don't forget about take action, guys. There's a lot of us um, out there who still aren't working, still can't afford our rent, still need to donate blood. And that post office is becoming more and more important because a Mm -hmm. lot of our states are now, they're going to all mail-in ballots. So post office is very important. Yes, it is. All right, let's get to our interview. Greg Jones has been line producing for about 15 years, working on national campaigns such as Google, Visa, Apple, Geico, Hotels.com, Amex, and many more. He started as a music video production manager in the glory days of HSI, Paul Hunter, Hype Williams, Sam Bayer. I know. When I heard saw those names, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, Greg. Yes. He started producing videos in the heyday when there was plenty of money. And then when mm-hmm. the last of it was gone, he transitioned to commercials. He's worked on every continent in the world except for Antarctica, but got pretty close to doing a job there. <laughs> so let's take a listen. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. First, we want to know, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's your family? And where are you located in the world? Everyone's great. I'm in Los Feliz, California. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I kind of was super paranoid like two weeks before the shutdown. So I kind of locked down my house like a couple weeks early. So we've been, you know. That's funny. We're neighbors, Greg. I thought for some reason you were New York. No, no, no. I'm uh, okay. I was working at Roger, which is right on Santa Monica and uh, Virgil, like right Right next to the Virgil. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's like yeah, a hot so, area right now. Uh, oh, yeah. Virgil Village. Or, yeah. Like Twirl. Yeah. That's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're good. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's safe. Yeah. And you're, yeah, you're everyone's, yeah. safe no, in Los Feliz. Great. Obviously, we know you've been a producer for many years and gave a little short bio about you. But uh, we'd love for you to get into a little bit of background of what happened to you during the lockdown. Were you staying active? Were you doing any remote jobs? Or were you just kind of hunkered down and waiting to see what happened? It's crazy. Like the first month, you know, the whole world was ending and I was never working mm-hmm. again. And then um, <laughs> I remember I stumbled yeah, on we to a, a couple projects for Facebook remote via zoom which turned into another one which turned into another one so i i luckily stayed busy through this whole thing so you did those remote jobs and then you kind of started seeing things opening up and started getting calls or feelers yeah well um work like jj adler is like my main uh director and she got these boards in for this crazy big aflac shoot which just sounded insane and i was sure there was no way they were going to do it but we ended up doing it and last month in alabama Oh, wow. Yeah. 
And so this is the big one that you were it's talking about, The big one, about, like right? full crew, two cameras, 65 people-ish and 10 talent and, you know, an older celebrity. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's like in his mid-60s, so. Yeah. Not old. But still, I mean, well, in L.A., that's what, 40? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just meant like, you know, for COVID, like he was, you know, oh, yeah. theoretically. Oh, yeah. He's in the risk category. Well, it's true. So let's jump right into it. Did So every time I've worked in Alabama, I've had to bring people over from Georgia. What kind of setup was it? Were you in a stage? Were you on location? Was it outdoors? It was a two-day shoot, and a day and a half was outdoors. We did have one day, mm-hmm. uh, like a half day, in a stage. Right. Um, we brought, I would say, like 85% of our crew from either Atlanta. The stage day, we did send everybody, like the art department went in on their own. A day before mm-hmm. we kind of scheduled it. So we didn't have like, you know, a bunch of people indoors at the same time. And you said this happened in June. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. June. Okay. So then you flew or were you remote? I flew. The director mm-hmm. flew. The DP flew. And the AD flew. But you had a local PM and all that uh, stuff. We had a local, yeah. Everybody else. So guideline wise because you know i'm i'm working right now in new york <laughs> and the new york state has mandated multiple f- guidelines that we have to follow and do i'm assuming that this is my assumption so please correct me if i'm wrong alabama was maybe a little bit more lax on that kind of stuff it was as a city it was weird because it was a hot spot no one was wearing a mask anywhere the hotel when we walked in with a the mask they're like you don't have to wear a mask we're like ah, i think Probably keep well, it on. Yeah. I'd like keep to live, on. but thanks. Restaurant workers, <laughs> no one had masks on. So I kind of stayed in my wow. room the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The guidelines were just kind of coming out, like mid-prep, the mm-hmm. DGA, AD, SAG guidelines. Yeah, all hit. Yeah. So we had yeah. kind of been following them. There was like a ton of lawyers and a ton of you know pre-production about getting everything straight. I mean, luckily enough, I had put on someone just to deal with all the safety stuff, like a COVID coordinator. And then oh, like yeah. three days before we shoot, they say, oh, we well, have to have a COVID coordinator, which was great because we had Perfect. already, mm-hmm. you know, it was too much yeah. for PM to be responsible for, for both of those things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. luckily we had one and we were all dialed in there. So That's nice because it's a large size crew and PPE was, you know, it's still kind of a, there's a backlog on getting the right stuff. Yeah. The production service, there's a lot of companies out now that are advertising, Mm -hmm. you know, they can get you everything. Mm -hmm. We were lucky enough to get all our stuff from uh, the production supply house in Atlanta had like hand wash stuff and all that stuff. And um, so we had everything we needed. The talent, I'm assuming the majority of them were local. So what I'm dealing with now is having talent on set without their masks. We're just having one at a time. But again, we're in a different area and a different, you know, zone than what you where you were. Yeah, we we tested all talent. We tested anyone who was going to come in contact with talent. Oddly enough, for Alabama, you could do like a 24 hour turnaround test at the Walmart. I don't know with how it is now with, you know, mm-hmm. are we having a spike everywhere? But we haven't even been able to get anything close to, to that in LA, which is no, crazy to me. Like pretty, pretty crazy. I went when I got back. I took a test, and it took like four days or something like that. Which you know, I know yeah. all the guidelines say you know test, test, test. But unless there's something I'm unaware of, I don't think there's an instant test and in, that you can get in LA. But in Alabama, we had 24-hour turnaround, so we tested like 35 people all together before we shot. Uh, we kept everyone away from talent. They had masks on. Up until right. we were rolling and then we tried to mm-hmm. distance them. You know, luckily we were outside and it was like walking. So we 
kind of keep them six feet away. And then they were sitting in okay. a, like a classroom. So we tried to, you know, social distance them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So was the majority of your scenes outdoor scenes or you said there's a classroom, so there is some indoor, a little bit of both? It, it was three. Yeah, it was uh, like, I would say three fourths of the job was outdoors, which, yeah, okay. which was super easy and super, yeah. Which is helpful. Yeah. Now, you did mention there were a lot of lawyers involved and and whatnot. So do you have any involvement in any sort of liability insurance or workers' comp adjustments that had to be made? Or was that just not even a thing? It didn't really affect. They they awarded the job in pieces just as we went in case, you know, you get 25%, 25% the next week, 25% the next week. So that was kind of the only kind of weird thing. You know, the guidelines kept evolving. It was like 20 people on an email chain. And then we finally settled like a week before we shot. I mean, luckily enough, the job was well-funded. Production had a ton of prep. We started probably, you know, a month before the job. Mm-hmm. So. so a lot more time in prep, Yeah, obviously, right? No real big changes to liability or workers' comp. We talked about testing. You didn't test the entire crew. You, you said you tested. No, we didn't test okay. the entire crew. And that was just a test before you started shooting. That was something they did during their prep? Or was that on? That wasn't an on-set test? Before prep, everyone submitted their test results. And then, you know, the morning of, we did the whole temperature thing and, mm-hmm. and checking everyone before they came to set. We also did temperature checks at lunch. And who handled the temperature okay. checks? Was that your... Uh, we had three medics. Oh, okay. nice. So it was like, a, we had like a lead medic. And then he, you know, mm-hmm. he had two assistants and they went around and tested everybody. It's all day pointing. Periodically. <laughs> yeah, a little pointing. Yeah, yeah. Pointing yeah exactly. And what about zoning? I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, zonings to kind of keep people in different cells. Did you guys deal with any of that? Yeah, we had bands where, you know, each five or six colored bands. Mm. Oh, and, right. you know, each mm-hmm. color allowed you to go to a certain place. Like, you know, you had to, anyone who was going to be around talent at all had a test and had that color band so they could essentially go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But we kept everyone, you know, away from for the bands, like further so, away. In the zoning, the people that have the test that lets them get onto set and near the actors, are they able to go into the other zones as well? We tried to make it where right. they didn't. Yeah, like, okay. You know, like our department, like they, that, that's the whole key, I guess, for us. I mean, the thing is we traced also, luckily that, you know, the agency and client were really great. They hired someone to contact all the crew after the shoot for like a month. Oh, wow. We had a coordinator calling everyone once a week, making sure, you know, a form to fill out, make sure no one got sick Hmm. the whole time, too. So that was Hmm. one of the reasons I'm kind of okay to talk about everything, because I know nobody got it. And that was something built into your production budget, or was that something the agency handled after the fact? That was something the client requested, and then, you know, it it ended up as an overage, but they, you know, had no problem putting one person on as kind of, you know, trace coordinator or something. Ah, that is interesting. Reached out to everybody Mm. on the crew, and I think we finished up, like, last Friday, and she had gotten something from everyone, and nobody got sick. So that's, that's great. Wow. Okay, well, that's good news. I don't know. Christian may have asked you this. Did agency and client travel out as well? Yeah, they did. They oh, did. Okay. I did how, not ask that. How, <laughs> sorry. Okay. But wow, how many? I mean, I'm sorry, but that's, yeah, that's how, big. How many and from where and what was their mood like? It's uh, an Atlanta-based agency and Atlanta-based client. Okay. So okay. it was like a two-hour two hour drive. Everyone uh, took okay. their own car. Everyone stayed in, agency stayed in their own pod the whole time. Like they never came to set. They didn't sit with the director. Oh. Kinda. They had their own six feet apart video village outdoors the whole time. Oh, okay. Got it. So no remote transmitting to anyone back at home office or anything like that. You were no, just, no, no. Everybody was there. We had it ready, but they decided they didn't want to do it. Oh, and what was your solution for that? Was there something local out there or did you have to? Yeah, there was a local guy in Alabama who, uh, the VTR guy. Oh, nice. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he QTAP mm-hmm. program or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody downloads. And yeah, yeah. 
you know, I think we touched on this a little bit, but in terms of keeping the zones separate from each other, if you had a location, did you have it for three days before? So you could pre-light and pre-dress and do all that stuff? Or how did you guys work that? Three of our locations, two of them were outdoors. One of them was at a at a college. So it was an outdoor, mm, like in a quad. Mm-hmm. So we everyone drove their own car and parked. The second location was an exterior of a home, which was great. Uh, we found a place across the street from a park. Mm-hmm. So on the company move, everyone got into their own cars and because I think that's like a key thing that when if you do a full shoot, your director, everyone's you're gonna you can't put every, everyone in pass vans. No. I don't think um, yeah. you're gonna have to find some place where the whole crew can drive their own car and then walk or park or I don't know if that's possible in New York or how you guys. <laughs> well. <laughs> Yeah. We're actually not allowing people to take mass transit. We're buying Ubers and asking them to roll the windows down unless they decide to come to set on their own on a bike or their car and we'll just pay for their parking. But it's hard. Imagine getting everyone yeah. to Jersey. Like 15 yeah, bus vans well, are done. I uh, had a job mm-hmm. in Jersey that went away mm-hmm. after mm-hmm. it booked right before we got on nice. a plane. But it wasn't for COVID reasons. It was just advertising right. nonsense. Right. But um, But that was our plan. I think we're going to have everyone's Uber and buy receipts. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the interior location, did it require any dressing or pre-lighting? It did. It required dressing. We sent the art department in during the day. They did their thing. Mm. Uh, We had a separate crew light it that night after the art department left. And so then we just walked on to a hot hot set, minus a couple tweaks on day two. Of course. And that was just a a swing crew that came in and did it, right? They weren't connected to the main unit? Right. Interesting. How many days shoot was it? It was two. Okay. All right. And then the mood was good. Everyone felt fine at the end. Yeah, it was great. You know, I think everyone was super happy to be working. You know, I think they realized like, you know, how little work was going on at the time. It was, you know, one of those things, you know, where a minimal of complaining on that old job. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. And I want to ask you more about that. But one thing I wanted to circle back on was the testing. So you said people submitted their test results and you did temperatures on set. What about HIPAA compliance? Did you have to worry about any of that receiving medical information from the crew? Did you record any information or store it or how was that kind of handled? We had one person in charge of, well, the, actually the COVID coordinator ended up being in charge of that. Mm-hmm. He was the only person who could give him instructions on how to reply mm-hmm. to the one person to keep their information confidential. Got it. Was it. Just, you know, like a yes or no on the test. And then, yeah. you know, yeah. no, no one tested positive. Yeah. So, Considering everybody was coming over from Georgia, because now the numbers a, a month later is pretty, they're pretty high. So, I mean, that's very fortunate. Can we talk about food? Because <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's my biggest hole that I have right now is like no buffets. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a picture of uh, our craft service. It was like one big Ziploc baggie that they passed out. Yes, please send it. Oh. It's on my Instagram. Okay. <laughs> um, oh my God. G- GSJ2LA, it's like a huge Ziploc bag with like every unhealthy thing. And I didn't blame that on Alabama and also COVID, but it was, you know, it, yeah. that was kind of like your own personal crafty all day. Crafty um, kit. We had coolers per department. So there's like, instead of, you know, one place to get drinks, we had like nine or 10 coolers with waters and stuff in them. And also like a, a wipe down little station with, you know, the alcohol wipes mm-hmm. and hand sanitizer. And a bunch of hand washing stations. So that was kind of, and then for catering, we did it like a wedding, you know, beef, chicken, or fish. <laughs> oh, right. Um, you choose it before. The night before. So nobody yeah. lined yeah. up. Then we just passed it out in, you know, whatever you ordered 
we passed it out per department. So no, there was never a big lineup or. Yeah. So I guess that, that all worked out pretty well. There was uh, no special needs or dietary things that you had to figure out and solve on the fly. And that just all kind of worked out. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it wasn't LA. Yeah. So yeah that's like, that's I mean, like lactose or. That's very true. It was all biscuits and Anything gravy. Was, and <laughs> it was a ve- veggie beef or veggie beef right. or chicken. And then yeah. that was kind of, yeah. you got it Take around the pick. world. And, a meat yeah. and three. No one complained. <laughs> well, no, because, you know, I'm sure Everybody was excited to get back to work, you know. May I ask which town? Um, yeah, it was um, Tuscaloosa. Oh, I've actually filmed there before, so. <laughs> well, close <laughs> enough to Tuscaloosa anyway. You know, I know we spoke a little bit before this interview talking about, like, the 10-person crew shoot thing is kind of a solve for the interim, but it's not really going to mm-hmm. be how this business is going to survive. So hearing this story about how you managed a full-scale shoot, celebrity mm-hmm. talent, all the bells and whistles is really great. And hopefully people can hear this mm-hmm. and feel inspired that it is possible to do this and do it safely. Yeah, I mean, those Zoom shoots, yeah. you know, you've seen, yeah. seen them all already, right? Even the one Michelle, Michelle Gondry did was no different than what we're doing right now. We're just pointing a camera at each other. and yeah. The edit budget yeah. was a lot larger, so that, that counts, you know, but yeah, yeah. it's all Zoom. <laughs> You know, I was around for the end of the music videos where like the directors started, you know, the $300,000 a day directors were writing on the $50,000 a day jobs overnight. They just Absolutely. killed the business. And sure, it's great that some people are working, but it's keeping 95% mm-hmm. of the people in the industry not working. And if that becomes the new normal, then, <laughs> you know, we're in trouble. So and, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're all in trouble. Yeah. So what do you think is the path forward for us? I mean, aside from science and our leadership and government getting it together, this is it for the time being? I think it, well, I don't, I think you can do new shoots. I think uh, bigger shoots, sorry. I just, everyone's got to like, you know, be a little bit understanding, I guess. Like directors have to take vacations yeah. <laughs> that are, you know, friendly mm-hmm. to not getting in vans and agencies might have to write scripts that are exterior instead of yeah. interior, you know, and then everyone's got to just realize anything you do is going to affect everybody else. So if someone, you know, if you're sick, stay home. And if you're the boss of somebody sick, understand they have to stay home, stay home. You might have to scramble and get somebody, but it's better than like having an outbreak on a shoot. And that'll shut everything down until there's a vaccine or something like that. Yeah. Something we talked about early on in this pandemic, when we were doing a daily show, because we had nothing else to do. (laughs) uh, We were talking about building in some sick pay money in the budgets in case somebody does call and say, Hey, I'm don't feel well. Then they don't have the fear of losing out on the money, losing out of the job. You can pay them out and then get a backup in there. You know, I know that's kind of pie in the sky thinking, but that would be a very helpful way to make sure that people feel given the permission to say, hey, I'm not feeling well. I shouldn't come in. Yeah, because you don't want that pressure. I mean, I'd rather you don't want that pressure. Yeah, just slack and do my PM's job exactly. and have them come to set exactly. sick or something like that or their yeah. grip or what, you know, it's just everyone's just got to understand like one in 80, 85 people now. now. Is that anyway. true? Yeah, I know. Like on last week's podcast, you know, I'm kind of with you. I, I want to dismantle the fear so we can, you know, f- there is got to be a way to do this <laughs> safely. And then, of course, the evening of the podcast came out, <laughs> numbers came in and hospital rates are way up and deaths are way up. And it's, uh, yeah, we're definitely taking a backward step, unfortunately. 
Yeah, I'm looking yeah. for the text that Lawrence sent me that said, "Oh well." <laughs> <laughs> oh well. I guess, uh, there were there was I my hope, my uh, push for being positive, <laughs> exactly. and uh, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I you know, and uh, my biggest fear is you know managing client expectations right now because you know I can until I'm blue in the face explain to the agency what needs to happen, but until everybody understands that they're going to get less footage but pay more for it <laughs> than yeah. they used to. <laughs> Having those conversations, Greg, like you were saying, I mean, waiting until the shoot to rediscuss creative is no longer an option. You can't just come up with something like this because right. it's not possible. How did your creative team yeah. kind of go with those kind of punches? Yeah, no, I mean, they were great. Everything, you know, we, you, we luckily we had enough prep time and everything got signed off on and the celebrity talent was not going to have anything change, you know, because <laughs> so... I mean, we had kind of like a perfect storm of reasonableness, which is really rare. Anna. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so rare. Well, well they were from Atlanta, really so I'm sure that they understood a little bit. And they had a celebrity, <laughs> and that probably fueled a little bit. So, yeah. Uh, still, yeah. though, it's an interesting environment right now because, you know, just today for something I called for for August, I was asked, but why do – I mean, what what do we have to do? Like, why does it cost so much? And I was like, <laughs> well, since for the last four months I've been researching it, I can tell you, but the fact that you're, <laughs> you haven't listened to anything yeah. for the last three weeks has been interesting. So what are you guys seeing the financial impact for like a day of shooting for all the COVID stuff? Like six, six, four to six, uh, somewhere in that, or are you guys way in New higher? York? Um, Christian? Yeah, I would, I would about. anywhere between 20 to 30%, just depending on how large your footprint is right now. We're still limited to half the building capacity. So say your building has a hundred people, you can't have more than 50, you know, what I think people aren't understanding is the extra layers of work that's going on. Yeah, the extra prep time mm -hmm. and manpower, I think, yeah. is, is the big killer. And so the right? first thing to go yeah. is like, you know, uh, prep days for production, because why do you need it? And it's hard to explain that every conversation takes three hours versus yeah. triple the time, basically. Greg, did you, I mean, you've seen a lot of budgets, you know, on this last budget you just had. Could you see the price difference? Like you probably think, oh, gosh, we probably could have done this for this much back before all of this. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's stuff in there, and, and luckily, you know, they they didn't try to cut corners or anything That's like good. that, which is weird too, because I'm even hearing like on these ten man jobs, like just the art departments are getting peeled because you're oh, having yeah. one or two guys yeah, yeah. do like you know the work of like seven guys, and that's you know that's no. not good. They're getting you know, exhausted. You know. Every art person I talk to. <laughs> yeah. Seems like, you know, we're kind of rebuilding the rule book, right? The playbook of how our business runs, right? And since we're the leaders and trying to mm -hmm. tell people on the feet on the ground, here's what we need to do, it gives us the opportunity of really kind of reconstructing how things work. What would you like to see shift in the industry? Whether it's, you know, bigger issues like client relations or casting inclusion, diversity, you know, what, what do you like to see come out of this? Yeah, I mean, I think right now the the people who could help the most right now probably like yeah. the unions. You know what I mean? Like you could give us a break on meal penalties. You could oh, French allow French hours, hours. Yeah. just you know, just because yeah. of the safety without killing budgets. You could, I think, the unions have to have a certain percentage of workers that aren't union that can that fall under like mm -hmm. a diversity, like the fourth grip or the third. You know, you just gotta because getting your days if you're a minority Possible. isn't mm -hmm. really you know possible and you have to be in the union to work a union job and you can't get you know it's that whole catch-22 that you know for 40 years everybody's been hiring their brother-in-law yeah. and if you really really want to 
make a difference. I think economically, one of the you know best ways you could help mm-hmm. somebody is you know that's that's the, where I think we you know affect the most yeah. change. I think that's Absolutely. a great idea. And then minimum staffing, of course. Well, yeah. they'll always say there is no minimum staff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there is somebody who uh, will say that up and down over there at the uh, AICP. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate yeah, chatting great. with you and you sharing us all the insight into how you made that shoot safe and possible for your crew. Yeah. It sounds like you really had it very buttoned up. So congrats to you. Yeah, we got lucky. Oh, I would say too, Mike Bell was our AD. He was fantastic. Oh, yeah. nice. I just got to give a plug out to him. Like, honestly. We love like, a crew he, shout he out. Please send, it. A, please send yes. us information and we'll. Yeah. Mike Bell, EGA yeah. first AD, just killed it. Perfect nice. temperament for something. And, you know, he's really the one that's in charge of safety. And he donated so many days and just really was on top of like every rule and everything. So. Well, let's not promise that he'll donate days to everybody. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. Well, no, no, no. no. I just, yeah, he had plenty of prep. But like even before, like he was bothering me like weeks before he was even starting, you know. Of like, course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, us freelancers all want to dive in and do the best job possible. So, right. you know, we always go yeah. above and beyond. So shout out to Mike Bell out of LA. One more question. What do you miss? What do you miss out of all, you know, out of normal life back then? What do you want back? I live in Los Feliz and most of my companies were in Santa Monica. So the working from home thing is like, yeah. fantastic. <laughs> like not getting on the, in the car for two hours a day. I just would like, I miss like the board flow of feeling like I know a lot of people, yeah. friends and just, you know, I feel like production, you know, is kind of mm-hmm. like a family, even though we don't really know each other. And there's just so many people out there that aren't, you know, are hurting and that I just miss a busy town. Seeing those familiar faces in the other production bays. Yeah, and everybody working from yeah. home, and just but just have a you be know, nice everyone you get know, everyone together her. again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Greg, thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh my God! Thanks so much, Greg. I mean, I had totally forgotten that we had met at Go Films a while back too. So that was great. And thank you for sharing all that information about Alabama. How kept, <laughs> Alabama, how you kept a, such a massive crew, full scale job safe. Exactly. So congrats. I think that was, it's really good because that's that's what we need to get back to. As we're saying, the 10 person crew is not going to be sustainable for all of us. So I know it is certainly not going to be acceptable from the brands. So no, 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 no. (laughs) That's why we're all getting pushed to what can we do? Exactly. And we Mm -hmm. got it. We got to figure out how to keep it safe on the big scale. So Mm -hmm. thank you, Greg. This show is edited and co-produced by Rob Blinky. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We are back next week. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, and stay active. Wash your hands, don't touch your face, clean your phone, and please, for the love of God, it's not a political thing. It's actually, um, you know, we all want to get back to work. Masks yeah. are sort of going to help, so wear a goddamn mask. That is how <laughs> we're going to get back to work. Exactly. Masks. masks. Send us your voice recordings or your emails to producershappyhour at gmail.com. And Lawrence, if people are just itching to get a hold of you, <laughs> how are they going to do it? <laughs> so many ways. LawrenceTLewis.com or for voiceover work, which thank God is keeping me afloat, voiceoflawrence.com. <laughs> Christian, how about you? SisterChristianProduces.com. All right, everybody. Bye. See ya.